My name is Cameron Milne and you are listening to Silent Studios, the podcast that gives an insight into the creative methods behind musicians, producers and audio engineers alike and how these original techniques are applied to a project of their own. Jordan F. is an 80s-inspired music producer based in Sydney. Labelling his music as synthwave or retro misses the mark somewhat. While Jordan does use the 80s as a sound palette, he repurposes these sounds for a modern audience, all the while keeping that nostalgia that we love. If you have ever dreamed about hitting a lonely road at sunset and just driving, Jordan F. is the soundtrack to that dream. So I'm Jordan F. and I write our 80s inspired synthesizer music with a modern fidelity, inspired by the likes of, you know, College, Electric Youth, uh, Kavinsky, you know, sort of in that realm. To people, I always just go, you know, the movie Drive, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm like, kind of like that. But, you know, it's, it's not 100% like that. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's 80s inspired music. It's not 80s music as such. So I take like the best bits of the 80s, you know, the typical cheesy chords or the bass lines and then, you know, the classic drum machines and try and bring them into, you know, the modern audience or the modern state of where music is. Um, I think it's not writing 80s music. I'm not an 80s band as such. Like, you know, there are great bands that do that, like um, Donnie Benet, Client Liaison. They like uh, are the 80s or early 90s when they get on stage. You know, I'm a little bit different in that, I suspect. I kind of try and take those influences and bring them to a more modern, you know, palette. In terms of the whole synth wave and, you know, the, the outrun, you know, genre, you know, that was coined in the early Valerie Collective era. And then there was a label that came out of um, Canada and the States called Rossa Corsa, which was uh, headed by Miami Knights uh, and Laserhawk. And they started using the word outrun and synthwave. And I think it wasn't actually such a, a, a term back then, but now because the genre sort of exploded, you know, you see Stranger Things and, you know, drive soundtrack success and that people are now using the word synthwave to describe this kind of music. Um, and I suppose, you know, to the audiences that I will, you know, write posts on or, or explain my music to, I'll say, yeah, it's basically like synthwave or the synthwave scene or, uh, you know, that type of direction. But I always kind of just consider my music, I try and simplify it. It's just 80s inspired electronic music, which is kind of obvious, but I don't think it hurts to use the word synthwave for people because I think that's just easier and then they understand exactly, you know, what it means. For Jordan, building a solid bed of drums is a typical place to start when writing. Having this strong foundation to build upon from the beginning allows him to layer textures and sounds without second-guessing the backbone of the track getting a good drum sound. That's going to inform everything that layers on top of your music. So if you've got a good, solid, you know, wall sound of, you know, drum machines or or hi-hats and snares, that really does drive the momentum of whatever you're creating. So it typically will start with a, with a drum pattern. And I'm pretty rigid with my drums. I don't like to mix them. So I won't take like a Lindrum kick and then mix it with an 808 hi-hat or a 909 cymbal. And I probably should start, you know, expanding that a bit more. So that's one of my goals this year is to be a bit more creative and mix up my drums. But I normally just try and stick with one drum machine just because like sometimes it's easier just to then work with that palette of sounds and that tone and the way it was sampled, I suppose. Uh, it just helps me just understand there's some consistency in that bottom end. And then I'll just start with a chord progression and then a bass line and then a melody or either or. But I think one of the key things when I'm composing now is actually having a good palette of sounds to work with. 
because that can actually make chord progressions or bass lines sound so much better or so much more inspiring than if they don't complement each other, like the sounds themselves. So in my latest album, I started to really think about the actual textures and the tones and the and the different types of synthesizers that generate certain either brittle, like metallic sounds or really warm analog and see where they can contrast and complement each other. So yeah, so usually the drums and then the chords and stuff, but then the palette is always in the back of my mind, you know, what are the, what are the sounds doing with each other? For a listener, it's not hard to hear where Jordan finds inspiration. The exciting aspect is how well he captures that inspiration within his music. If a song that I write doesn't generate some emotion or doesn't take me to a scene that exists in an old retro film that exists only in my head, then it hasn't done its job. I need to be able to sort of close my eyes and go, oh, that just that takes me to a scene in Blade Runner that never existed or a, a romantic scene in Miami Vice that, you know, got cut from the final edit. Film from the 80s is huge. Because that, you know, visually there's that connection and like I can sit in front of my computer and then see like a scene in from Miami Vice and then just start coming up with sounds and then you can kind of just go from there. And, you know, and, and in terms of other artists, I think I take a mix of, you know, 80s artists, but probably more contemporary. You know, the 80s artists, you know, Jan Hammer, Harold Faltermeyer, Vangelis, um, those are classics. And I think everyone who writes this kind of music will take influence at some point in their careers from them um, because they're also um, you know famous for what they did with the with the sounds back then but you know today I you know I listen to a lot of Comtrues you know Touch Sensitive uh, amazing you know even um, like I said the Electric Youth uh, Valerie Collective type artists college you know a lot of my label peers as well um, from Ross of course like Miami Nights and that but I also do try and expand and I try and listen to you know lots, lots of Tycho um, you know Boards of Canada that type of stuff as well, so a little bit more lo-fi um, as well. So I'm trying to mix it up where I can. With a scene that is becoming increasingly popular, it's easy to go with the flow and get lost amongst the myriad of artists, EPs and albums. Jordan challenges himself to create something different by building narratives within his music. More often than not, these narratives or themes span entire albums. I think it's actually changed a lot since I first started because when the scene was smaller, it was quite easy to get that inspiration and for it to be quite fresh. But I think when you're embedded in a scene for so long, I mean, for me, it's only been maybe six years now, um, coming off probably the second wave of artists making this music after Ross Corsa, but the inspiration was really fresh. So you could write a score to Miami Vice or to like a Blade Runner scene and be like, oh, that's so cool, it's so new to me. Um, But then because the scene's expanded and there are so many more artists that are sort of taking the same approach, it's quite hard then to be inspired by that process. So I try and actually just sit down and go, I want to write something that that I haven't heard before in the scene or something that will actually excite me because... You know, when you hear a lot of the music now, you know, you lose that sense of discovery because it's just there. All of, all it come, you know, there's new EPs every day, albums, and that's just in general, you know, regardless of synthwave genre, but everywhere, I guess. So for me, like the process and the thought is about having a solid concept. And I, you know, that's usually delivered in an album form. Like there has to be a really concise, you know, emotive, evocative story that you're trying to tell. And if you can't do that, then that's, you know, you lose a bit of depth. And I think that's why I got into the music in the first place is that I felt like the 80s, you were drawing back into like nostalgia. Um, And there was like a story, like we talked about the movies and the the scenes and, and 
it's always generating like an image in your head. And I guess that's why like I got, you know, into that in the first place. So yeah, I think it's definitely trying to come up with a solid concept for me now more than anything is the key thing when I sit down. This genre of music requires more than just musical talent. The knowledge of what instruments, samples and gear was used to create this style of music in the 80s is key. I have a Juno 60 and that was probably the first synthesizer I bought and amazing, just sitting there but doing great things. I have a Yamaha DX7, so two very classic 80s synths, like very cheesy, like gives you exactly what you want out of the out of the 80s genre. I probably don't use them as much anymore. A lot of my work is now actually in the box, like it's all on Ableton, all with my VSTs, all with my plugins. So in terms of plugins, you know, Arteria's um, Profit V is amazing. A lot of the Arteria stuff's amazing. Definitely, um, you know, the PPG Wave VST by Waldorf is incredible. So so trying to find those classic emulations that we obviously can't afford because they're $10,000, $50,000 now, um, and having that on your computer is just incredible. So a lot of VSTs are those classic synths. You know, I use a lot of free plugins as well like Togo Audio Line, like the make the Juno 60 VST. So I actually use the VST version sometimes um, just so I can then have it all there saved and if I want to change a chord, I don't have to flip the Juno one and all of that. Um, and then their chorus effects, amazing. Sound toys, amazing for effects, like their Echo Boy is incredible. I've been using that a lot lately. And then for EQ is the FabFilter Pro-Q, just a classic, transparent, super visual, you know, surgical EQ that you can really sort of tighten up, you know, different frequencies and notches. Uh, and then the Waves API uh, 550 A and B VSTs are incredible as well, just for getting some warm sculpting sounds. And then just some tape saturator effects. I don't use a lot of saturation except on drums. So UHE Satin is like a very gentle, subtle, but it makes a difference. It's just a tape emulation that runs on any you know channel you want and just gives a bit more sizzle. Yeah, so a mix of things, but I think it's definitely more in the box now than it is, you know, hardware. You know, I'd love to do hardware, but, you know, it's a financial commitment. This one's called Labyrinth. When I first started making music, I wrote these two 10-minute songs called Abandoned Streets, and I found it quite easy to make sort of these long cinematic, you know, uh, 80s-inspired, like, outrun tunes. And so for the third album, I decided I'd have another crack at making another 10-minute one, um, but not, like, sort of copying the uh, feel of Abandoned Streets, but having a bit more of a, I guess, a magical influence with, like, fantasy, but 80s as well. So, yeah, it's about a 10-minute track, and it changes a lot. It's not like a fast track. It's quite slow. We're hitting about 89 BPM and uh, just have a lot of changes in mood and, and feeling. There's certainly heavier bits, and then there's more build-up parts, of big arpeggiators running and big breakdowns. So really excited about this one. So, yeah, there's just a bit of a sequence up that, that starts to build up and just has, like, a filter cut off. That one was the UHE Diva, and that is just an incredible emulation of like a real analog synthesizer. Just super powerful. It takes up a huge CPU though. So I have to be careful about using it on all my tracks, otherwise it just becomes crazy. Pretty basic sort of intro, but um, the intro goes for like three minutes and then like there's more synths and then drums and snares start coming in and, and then it sort of breaks. 
I do start with preset, but I never will just like hit the preset. But you know, there are you know some presets sound fantastic, and I'll just go that that's exactly what I was looking for. So. I don't want to reinvent the wheel, but most presets I will kind of like tweak if it's like the oscillators or it sounds a bit flat and you might detune it or you might fix it up. Those chords were diva. Yeah, sometimes I go through phases if there's like a plug-in that I just love. And then the bass is, you know, the Arturia Prophet. And it's the first bass patch, 80s bass, like as cliche as that is. And then, you know, it just works. It's super deep bass, so you have to be careful to make sure that your drums can actually punch through it. So when I was mixing this, and I'd finished this like three months ago, and I was like, I love it, it sounds great. Went on holiday, came back and listened to it, and then I just realised like my bass was screwing up big time because it was detuned, so it's leaking a lot of low end. So in this certain tracks it'll, the bass will just go either really thin or it'll go really fat so it'll clash with the low end of the drums so I just had to throw a limiter on like that bass section so you're hearing the, the Lindrum LM2 obviously not my own <laughs> drum I wish I've been on eBay looking but these are actually really good drum samples that I got from Gold Baby and that you can buy his drum samples online and he just samples them through amazing drum machine uh, just like through amazing samplers like yeah, MPC60, the MU SP1200 SP12 so he samples them through those so they get a little bit more of a fat low end because the 80s drum sounds are really quite tinny like they're not quite that fat so you really have to work at trying to get those certain frequencies punching where they need to so like on the bass drum I use the Fab Filter Pro Q and I'll just do a simple you know, 2 dB boost about 40 hertz. Small, but it makes a difference when you turn them off and on. Like, about, like minor changes I find as opposed to, yeah, drastic changes. So all in drum sounds there. One new one that I used was the Synclavia by Arturia. So like a digital wavetable synth. So that's something that I don't really put in my productions, even though I love the sound of wavetable synthesis. So one of my other hardware synths is a, a Kawai K3, quite cheap, you know, you know, made in the 80s, but it's a wavetable synthesizer. So it's got, you know, two different oscillators with wa- different waveforms and you can just generate the craziest sounds with them. It's like a poor man's PPG wave. So this is kind of a digital synth that I could use that I felt could generate some interesting sounds. So for example, we've got some here which go like, bit more like like strings but not as fat quite thin and then on another instance we have it as a an arpeggiator which this sounds all over my new record it's just fun like that's the thing with hardware versus soft synths like i love soft synths and you know you can have everything you want here and play live or take it on the road don't have to worry about you know juno getting beaten up in travel but there is something special about playing with hardware so like turning on a juno and it's a bit warm and fuzzy and you know you have to kind of it's it's more of a process than the sound for me i think you can get the same sounds in here but the process of actually being in front of a keyboard and going actually let's you know detune that synth i would have never thought of that if i had it in the box because you just don't have that there's like not the tactileness so there's definitely like pros and cons with both but for me it's more of a way of writing as opposed to like getting a sound yeah so it's quite interesting 
I think I like the variation in this track. So 10 minutes long. You can afford to have bits that are quite simple with just a bass and a kick with different sections which generate different feelings. You're like, oh, where's this going? So I really like that longer length. And I think it's probably the standout track on the album because it can really get you inside. And, you know, if you can really think about a story that's going on, you know, and four minute tracks, you can do it as well, like four, five, six. But I don't know, just the song about 10 minute songs, man, that I just, I don't know, I find really interesting. And, you know, to try and do like a third one might be a bit like, oh, he's just trying to do like another 10 minute track. But I think this one definitely hits a different, strikes a different tone. But yeah, I just love the variation that you can pull and like really tell chapters. everything I've written is is you know written and produced by me every time you release something you're kind of like oh damn why did I do that as soon as it comes back it's a mastered version you know and I think I'm happy with the way I produce at this stage I, I think it's part of the sound as well is some of the production but yeah definitely mastering it has to go to someone else I don't think DIY mastering probably cuts it for most things I mean you can do it and some of it sounds really good but I definitely think it's worth the money spent if you've got someone who actually is sitting in front of there just can hear it objectively Otherwise, you can then go back on the master all the time and just change it, and you'll never be happy. So once it's done, you kind of have to deal with it. Definitely get it mastered with it by someone who knows what they're doing, and then I just mix and produce everything by myself. I'm, you know, always learning new things as I go along. I think the thing that started this track was the arpeggiator rhythm. That just started it, and I don't really start with arpeggiators or, or like rhythms like that, but that just, for me, really got into my head, and I couldn't stop listening to it, so... I think that was really odd with this track. It started off with just very basic breakbeat kind of drum vibes. It wasn't necessarily like a typical four to floor. It was more... And then, you know, when you combine it with like that sort of bass that we went through, it's kind of like... And so it's like you start to build it up and then the arps and the, the voices... So I think that was definitely like a different process. The other tracks is usually like a typical drum beat and then chords. But this one was just like an arf idea and then it just kept evolving and evolving and then the synths came underneath and then the drums and then the bass. It was completely like reverse of what I normally do. So yeah, I think with these ones, it's quite exciting when that happens. And when I had that idea of that that first art progression that I played, I immediately knew what I was writing. So it kind of just laid the foundation there. Thank you for listening to Silent Studios. I'm Cameron Milne. For more information on this artist or any of the artists featured on Silent Studios, please visit silentstudios.com.au. Silent Studios.